Welcome, my lovelies. This is Terrence Smith, and you're listening to Tales of the Pale. This week, the reading is going to be from a book that you haven't read yet because it's not even out. The fourth book in the Legends of the Pale series is The Souls of Witches, and it is supposed it was supposed to be out in October, and COVID delayed it, like so many things, but it will be out November 21st on all the online bookstores. You can order it, download it, it'll be ready. But what I want to do today is read chapter one from The Souls of Witches and just a little bit of chapter two so that you get a feel for what this book is about. Chapter one. The clink and clatter of the cafe's kitchen fell away as Rowan's focus spiraled inward, narrowing until all she saw or felt was the vanilla buttercream as it slid smoothly along the cake's cold surface. This was her world, a place of taste and memory. Recollections of her grandmother's kitchens, its sights, sounds, and aromas flowed into her mind and along her arm as she guided another dollop of white frosting across the cake's edge. The air grew heavy with a sense of powdered sugar and baked delights, of remembered love and cinnamon belonging. The delicate trickle of energy was easily directed, as if it were her own wand she wielded and not a metal baker's tool. A whirl, here for love, a reassuring hug from one who cares. A graceful wave of longing along the side, the white veil now sweet and dense with promise. She worked wider shins, counterclockwise, until the whole of the hummingbird cake lay blanketed with her magic and the flavor of home sat thick on her taste buds. Rowan ignored the ache in her shoulders as she topped the uniquely southern confection with chopped walnuts, toasted still warm from the oven, before, try, before tying off the simple spell. Stepping back, she surveyed her work and let a soul-deep smile lift the corners of her mouth. Then she moved on to the next dessert. Rowan knew she had the bad habit of pouring too much of her personal energy into her spell work. It left her drained most days. She fingered the mint growing on the cafe's back stoop to release the plant's aroma and energy while she placed the call. You better not be saying you're not going because you promised, Rowan. I've been jabbering on about the witch's ball for months now, and Brett and I can't go as sunrise and sunset without midnight. Tara complained before Rowan could utter a single word. Your costume is absolutely beautiful. It needs to be worn. Rowan laughed. Of course, Tara had anticipated her last-minute call. And thanks to Tara's painstaking work, the star-strewn midnight black dress was indeed breathtaking. Playing to my love of fashion isn't entirely fair, Rowan replied. She then took a deep breath and confessed what Tara already seemed to know. I admit it. I was hoping to beg off. I'm more in the mood for a quiet celebration at home. Just me, the gods, and a glass of wine. Though she had infused her aura with false cheer before making the call, Tara was almost impossible to fool. You're tired. Rowan shrugged. I had to come into work today, even though Catherine knew it was Samhain. Rowan didn't explain further. She didn't have to. That's what was so great about her closest friend. 
Tara was a natural empath. They had met years earlier, well before Tara had married Brett, but his addition hadn't weakened their sister-like bond, only enhanced it. Take a restorative bath when you get home, came Tara's reply, not letting Rowan off the hook. Make sure you put a touch of mint in the water to lift your mood. We'll be by at nine to collect you. Rowan smiled inwardly. The crushed herb was already under her nose for that very reason. A solitary witch by nature, a kitchen witch by inclination, Rowan understood the potent magic of aroma and flavors. To deny Tara anything was like refusing the fact that the earth smelled sweetest after a spring shower. It was usually just easier to go along than fight against her friend's enthusiasm. And in the end, she, Tara, and Brett were probably as close to an actual coven as Rowan would ever want. It would be wrong to be apart on such an important holiday. For you, sweetie, I'll be ready. Damn straight you'll be. Brett's been looking forward to this thing more than I have, Tara confessed. Of course he would, Rowan snickered, instantly picturing, picturing Brett in her mind. He's a man, and he's going to show up at this thing with a beautiful witch on each arm, both of whom will probably be intoxicated by night's end. I have no doubt he's excited. Tara giggled, her voice as light as snowflakes falling on Rowan's ear. I wish I had, I wish I had your red hair. My wig itches something terrible, you know. Well, you should have splurged like I did. The jet black wig had cost Rowan more than she had budgeted for the event, but it fit her like a glove and looked far more natural than the cheap thing Tara had purchased. So we're agreed, Tara pressed. We're driving to Atlanta and celebrating the end of the year like the, and the turning of the wheel like the badass witches we are. I said I'd be ready, Rowan promised again, grinning into the phone despite everything. Samhain, otherwise known as Halloween, was there New Year's Eve and fiercely celebrated by all witches. For this one night, the veil between the worlds would be at its thinnest. The ancestors would be near, walking among the living to bestow their guidance. Readings, predictions, meetings, and dreams would hold greater significance tonight. And there would be dancing, lots and lots of dancing. Nine. Tara confirmed one last time. Yes, for you, yes. Tara gave a squeal of delight and ended the call. Alone on the stoop, Rowan let out a long sigh she'd been holding back and tried to relax her tight shoulder. For weeks, she'd been looking forward to tonight's festivities, but this morning her excitement had vanished. Vague apprehension was all she felt now. Rowan took a moment to massage the knot that had formed at the base of her neck and left shoulder. She'd made a promise to Tara, and ever since coming into her full power, Rowan had done her best to keep her promises. Words were like spells, and keeping her word was a part of caring for her power as a witch. Her fingers dug savagely into the knot for a few seconds before releasing it again. Dropping her cell phone into her apron pocket, she took another deep breath and just as slowly released it. She forced the tension from her shoulders, letting it drain down her arms and fingertips onto the ground. A promise made meant that she was going tonight. Apprehension be damned. 
Rowan pocketed the crushed mint leaf and resolutely walked back into the ordered chaos of the cafe's kitchen. Now we're going to take a break here and let Rowan go get ready for the witch's ball tonight. And we're going to pop in actually at the witch's ball to see how Lars is doing. This is part of chapter two. Despite the press of bodies of witches and wannabes, despite the throbbing music and the strobe lights, he had noticed her as soon as he arrived. Like most of the crowd, she was dressed head to toe in black, goth-like, except for the dazzling black crystals sewn into her gown. Those same stones cascaded downward from an exquisitely simple silver crown that rested atop her head to mix with her ebony hair. He had met many witches in his lifetime, but Lars recognized the weave and texture of real magic when he saw it. It was in the way she moved, the tilt of her head, the sway of her hips. She was no child, this one. She was a woman who was comfortable with her own power, her inner goddess, and it showed in every gesture she made. This was a queen moving among peasants, he thought. Lars hadn't planned to attend the local Samhain celebration, even though it was a fundraiser organized by the North American Witches League. His decision had been made last minute. Needing a costume of some kind, he donned an elegantly cut black suit and a Venetian plague mask. Coupled with his dark looks, the result was a rather convincing impression of a crow, highly appropriate for this night and the goddess who had claimed him as her own. Lars was the grandson of the Morrigan, the great crow goddess. It was through his mother's line that he had been granted a natural darkness, a birthright of sorts that most could sense and thus avoided. His grandmother didn't bother to reach out to him very often, but when she did, he listened and grudgingly obeyed. Tonight was one of those times, and Lars suspected that midnight was the reason. That was why he'd noticed her so quickly, and why she held his attention. Though what his grandmother wanted from this particular witch, he could only speculate. From behind his mask, Lars watched Midnight, for that is how he thought of her, as she wove her way across the dance floor. The gyrating sea of bodies parted before her, perhaps on some level sensing her power. Because she'd arrived with two others and had yet to stray from either, Lars decided to bide his time and keep to the shadows, eyes ever watchful. He'd already turned down a handful of invitations for women too inebriated to know better. He'd been rude to the point of insulting to those who would not take a polite hint. Midnight was who he wanted this evening. The longer he watched her, the more certain he became that no substitute would satisfy him. And now I'm going to leave the rest to your imagination. The book will be out November 21st. I hope you enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoyed writing it. Thank you for spending time with me. This is Tales of the Pale, and have a great weekend, guys.